This is the Christian Life Coach Collective, and I'm your host, Laura Malone. We're talking all things coaching, concepts, tips, tools, self-coaching, mindset, faith foundations, and definitely entrepreneurship because I want to support your calling as a coach and help you build a thriving online business with God as your CEO. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. And pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. This is Proverbs 4.23, and it's funny that as I type this, Grammarly wanted to remove the last part of this verse. (laughs) It would be such a terrible translation of the Bible if we just ran it all through Grammarly and let it have its way with the word. It would probably be like politically correct. The sentence structure would be correct, but it would be the opposite of truth in every way because correct is defined differently in the eternal realm than it is in this finite natural realm that we can see. But this verse is telling us to take care of our soul. We are triune beings, just like God, but in a different way because he's Father, Son, and Spirit, but we are spirit, soul, and body. And the body is our outer being, the soul is our inner being, and the spirit is our innermost being, right? And the Hebrew definition of the word heart in this verse is the entirety of the inner man. So it is your soul where your paradigm of beliefs and thoughts and emotions, will, imaginations, even your memories and your desires live. But in addition to that, this verse shows how it's where your affections are. So Matthew 6, 21 says that where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Okay, this means where your affections lead you, your soul will follow. If your affections and desires are set on the Lord, your soul will follow them. But if your affections and desires are set in the world, your soul will go there instead. And your heart or your soul needs open eyes to see what God is doing to choose to lean into him, to connect with him. You know, the song, the old goodie, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Ooh, I want to see you. Get a little jazzy, you know what I mean? Anyway, when your heart's eyes are open, you're able to operate in the measure of faith that you've been given. In Romans 12, 3, Paul says, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And in this context, the each at the end, allotted to each a measure of faith, refers back to everyone in the beginning when he says, I say to everyone among you. So everyone God has created has a measure of faith already allotted to him or her. And this is different than the spiritual gift of faith that's in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, along with the other types of gifts that are uniquely given to different people. Then in Hebrews 11, 1, it defines faith for us. And it says that now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So it's it's talking about faith from the perspective of the heart or your soul. Certainty within our inner being, even 
when our outer being, which is the vessel of our body, specifically our physical eyes, cannot see something. So our, our soul knows with certainty something our eyes don't know with certainty. And it's not a naive trust. It's not wishful thinking. It's not belief without any substance to it. It's, it's a conviction within your soul that helps you to know that you know that you know right? Everybody likes to know that you know that you know. Well, faith gives you the ability to take action with the full assurance that God is real. And he not only meets you where you're at, but he keeps his promises to you. Even when it doesn't manifest the way like you'd planned it, or you expected it, or you hoped for it, you thought it should go, right? When you trust God through faith, you want to do what you hear him saying to do. Faith leads to trust, which leads to obedience. You want to do what he asks of you, and that brings blessings. So obedience to God stores up riches in heaven and and brings a measure of blessing here on earth. People come to faith in Jesus through either inspiration or desperation. And it's the same two reasons people choose to change in coaching there are two reasons. <laughs> These are them. And it's most often there is a crisis or there's some type of desperation in their lives that drives them to want to change. Inspiration happens for some people sometimes, <laughs> but most often people are desperate for something. And I see that in my coaching business. I see that with all my clients. There's They're desperate for something, but I also see it in the mission field, how People get desperate. It's most often through that, which is why crisis is a major missions and harvest field. Because when we're broken and we find we could just no longer keep up the farce of saving ourselves, we turn to him. Whether it's when we first believe in him or it's throughout the rest of our lives as believers when, you know, our soul just constantly tries to rise back up and save ourselves only to find it just keeps not working. <laughs> we can we can make ourselves believe that we're saving ourselves for quite a while, but then eventually that system breaks and our souls quickly and easily forget there is only one savior. So this is why a habit of being in the word and learning about the word and being in conversation with Jesus throughout the day leads to a meaningful relationship with the God of the universe. And we, it develops what in business we call the no like trust factor. <laughs> have you ever thought of this? Like in marketing, you actually have to help people find you. Then you have to help them know you, decide they like you, and develop trust in you. And the final piece that's overlooked mostly is they're choosing. They need to choose you because they trust you. And I think it's the same with God. When we meet him, we read the word, we go to church to get to know him and all of the things that, that everybody tells us to do. And we get to, we start knowing, you know, what he says to do, what he tells us not to do, all of these things. And a lot of people get stopped here as if knowing these things were enough. But I encourage you to move deeper into a relationship with him. Because knowing him and knowing the word and knowing religion, but stopping there can get you in a lot of trouble. And you have to remember that religion is anytime man builds a structure to try to reach God. But relationship is what God did by sending his son and Holy Spirit to reach man. 
This means that you can take what you learn and know and then grow all of that through relationship because he's with you all of the time. He's always wanting to listen, always hoping the eyes of your heart will open, always inviting the ears of your heart to hear him. And that's what it's like when you begin to like him. When you like somebody, that leads to trusting them. And trust is a huge part of the faith factor. If you know someone, but you haven't really gotten to the liking them part, you're not going to trust them as much as somebody you really like. And I really like Jesus because we spend all day together. Your imagination, which is part of your soul, was created by God, and he uses it to help the eyes of your heart see. So I can see Jesus in the car with me. And yes, this is where it pulls on your imagination. I know within my soul and my spirit, my inner and my innermost beings, they know that Jesus is always with me. But God will use my imagination, which he gave me, to see in my mind that Jesus is in the car with me. He's leaning against the kitchen counter while I'm washing dishes. He's taking a walk with me in the neighborhood. He's everywhere I go. And especially when I'm laying in bed at night and I'm struggling with something, my husband's asleep and I can't make any phone calls and I desperately need to chat with somebody about this this deep longing, this pain, this fear, whatever it is. He sits on the bed and takes my hand and it's it's so normal to me. It's not even a thought process anymore. It just happens. I know he's there. I literally put my hand on the bed next to me because I know he's taking it in his. And I have a relationship with a man who is always near, who longs to care for me when nobody else is paying attention. He's always there even if I choose to ignore him or deny his presence. And the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. This means that our denial, our ignorance, even our sinfulness can't make him leave our side. He physically suffered and died for us so we, he could come back and be with us spiritually 24-7. And he wants us to be with him so we can know him, spend time with him so we can like him. And this leads us to trust him. And, and when we trust him, we're going to choose him and his ways out of faith that he is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he'll do, and he'll be with us when we need him, even if we can't see it with our physical eyes. Our physical eyes go away, friends. They will disappear and die. But the eyes of your heart, your soul, can see him. And that is a greater truth than what your physical eyes can see. Upside down kingdom. So what does acting in faith really look like? And I want to give you a couple of examples, personally and professionally. Personally, my husband and I have been kind of acting in faith since the day we met. It was a beautiful April Sunday, more than 20 years ago. <laughs> and a friend invited me to the park with her friends. And I met this guy amongst like a bunch of other people that I made friends with. And um, six days later, I was spending time with the Lord at a coffee shop that morning, and I had just said to God that I realized how all my friends were like keeping putting him in a box because they were all asking for a husband. <laughs> and I realized that in judging them for their boxes of like, oh, I, God must bring me a husband like soon. How, what will I do? You know, I was keeping God in a different box and I didn't know it, but I it was like he revealed it to me this this day. And 
I said, Lord, I see now I'm actually putting you in a box like all my friends are, but I'm asking you not to bring a husband because I'd already been married and divorced at a really young age. And then I found Jesus and I knew that I knew what being married meant. I knew how much it requires from you. And I only wanted to be with Jesus now that I had found him. So I didn't want a husband. And I had been walking with the Lord for like four years at that point. I still didn't want a husband. I really liked my time with Jesus. <laughs> and um, all my 20-something friends wanted a husband, you know. And a lot of, back then, everybody thought our single pastor was going to be the the one. They would all have like dreams. The pastor's my husband except me. I was all like... Give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can marry the pastor, but I want Jesus. <laughs> it was seriously like, what are you people thinking? And it was just, they didn't know. <laughs> and that night, six days after I met this guy, we're all at a Waterdeep concert, which is like some uh, some of you are like some old school enter the worship circle music, that kind of stuff. And it's this old, beautiful church is full of pews. And I'm on the end by the wall of the pew with all my friend, my new friends. And this old man turns out he was an old German missionary. He walks by and places his hand on my head in a little bit of like an intimate way and this this guy that I had just met, he leans over and says, who was that old man that walked by you and touched your head? And I said, I don't know. But his hand resting on my head felt like a grandpa giving an invitation to come connect with him. Well, a little bit later, this guy walks, leans over and he says, you want to go downstairs and grab some coffee? Um, so we go down there and he goes, hey, there's that, there's that old guy. Go, go talk to him. And I'm like, oh, like, what am I supposed to say? So I go over and I, I just say, well, my this guy, he goes over and gets us a couple cups of coffee while I go say hi to the old guy. And the old guy says, hello. He says, sit down. Okay. All right. So I sit down and he says, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a surgical assistant. <laughs> At the time, I was working for an oral, oral surgeon <laughs> randomly. This is not my life. And... He said, is that what you want to do? And I said, no. He said, what, jo- what job do you want? I said, I want to be a mom. And he said, do you have a pop? <laughs> I said, I don't. There's no pop in the picture yet. <laughs> Thank you. And he said, let's pray. And I was like, oh, wow. Just dive in, buddy. Okay. So he takes my hand and he bows his head. So I do the same because it's awkward. And he starts praying for me to get the job I want and for God to provide everything I need in order to make that happen. (laughs) Talk about awkward. Then when he stops the prayer and he opens his eyes, this guy I had met (laughs) standing there with two cups of coffee listening and the old guy, his name turns out that his name is Wilhelm. He says, who is this? (laughs) I said, this is my friend. I introduced them. My friend sits down and Wilhelm starts to grill him. What do you do for a job? How do you, where do you live? How would you, how do you expect to be able to provide for yourself 
and a family. <laughs> he starts asking these crazy questions that a father would ask a young man that he's meeting for the first time who's, you know, serious about his daughter. I have just met this guy, and I literally just met this man, and Wilhelm is grilling him, and then he stops asking all the questions, and he leans back, and he says, hmm, how long have you known each other? I said, six days? Huh. We'll see what the Lord will do. And now this guy and I, we're not even looking at each other because this is very, very awkward. And then after about maybe 30 seconds, Wilhelm says, how old are you? I said, I'm 26. He said, I'm 29. And Wilhelm leans back, crosses his arms again, and he says, we'll see what the Lord will do. Then he stands up, he takes his food, and he says, if you need me, my phone number's in the back of the book for sale upstairs. And he walks away. (laughs) Thus begins the love story. By the end of that night, because after the concert, we left and we went to a diner where basically a waiter who never actually worked there, obviously an angel, (laughs) spoke things to us at our table um, that came out of nowhere. And then after that, we spent, we went to play pool. I mean, like we, this guy didn't want to let me out of his sight. But by the end of that night, actually was at the diner, I heard the Lord say, this is your husband. Meanwhile, I did not know that my, that this guy had also heard the Lord say, this is your wife. So we met on a Sunday. We saw each other again on Friday night um, with all of our friends. But on Saturday, we had found one another and spent the entire day together. I forgot to mention that while I was at the coffee shop spending time with the Lord and repenting for like putting him in a box and telling him not to bring my husband, that this guy walked through the door and sat down and said, wow, the Holy Spirit's all over you. I could just sense the presence of God at this coffee shop. And he's like, what's he been saying? And so I told him everything because I'd spent five hours with the Lord that day. And I told him everything that I felt like the Lord was saying. And I felt this electricity in my body. And I also told him that I had just repented to the Lord for putting him in a box and telling him not to bring my husband and gave him like my open express permission for him to bring my husband whenever he wanted to. (laughs) Now, at that point, I didn't know this was my husband and he didn't know I was his wife. We were just like, hey, I know you. And then from that point on, we spent the rest of the day together, ended up at the Waterdeep concert, ended up talking to Wilhelm, the old German missionary man, and then end up by the end of the day, well, two o'clock that next morning, when he drops me off at my, um, my apartment, I knew that was my husband. We got married four and a half months later. He asked me to marry him two and a half months after the day we met, and we married two months later. And I'm going to tell you, the whole thing has been a walk of faith. It wasn't just a four-month, you know, relationship before getting married. It was seriously, and it still is. Like, God said, this is this is my husband. There was no denying it then. There's no denying it today. And marriage is hard, friends, but it is fruitful. 
And life is hard. Life is great and terrible, 50-50. So is marriage. We have to begin to accept that things will be hard. We will suffer in life. Things aren't going to go the way that we want. It's not always going to feel good. And we keep going. This is where faith enters in. He is with us in our suffering. We pick up our cross. We suffer with him. And we step out. We keep going in faith. And I would never want to do it any other way, but it was definitely an interesting way to be introduced to my husband and quickly grow into the relationship we were going to have. A year and a half after we got married, the Lord tells us, sell everything and go to Kona, Hawaii and join YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and get trained as missionaries. What? We didn't want to be missionaries. Why are we doing this? (laughs) But God said, So we did. And now we run an international crisis response missions organization. And it is for such a time as this. And it required our faith over 20 years ago of moving quickly into the suddenly of God so that we could be where we are today and be able to do what we do. And then this also, it led into... Um, not just running that organization, but my heart for mentoring and coaching. And these are skills like cutting hair, like wherever you go in the world, people need and want what you offer when you mentor and you coach. And that has changed everything. Just stepping into the professional side of faith, where whatever we do in ministry, nonprofit work, business, for-profit business, doesn't matter. It's all stepping into faith that God will provide and he will do what he has promised. He will, you can take action on the word of God that if you open your, your soul, the eyes of your heart to see the ears of your heart to hear him, then you will know and you will like him and you will trust him. So you will choose to do what he's called you to. You can take action in faith because you've this no like trust factor. It's it's a real thing in the spirit and it's not just a marketing tool. (laughs) It's actually the way of a relationship. It's not the way of religion. It is the way of a relationship. So what does walking in faith look like to, to you, like personally and professionally? Have you gotten to know, like, and trust Jesus so that you can choose his ways in your business, in your home, in your family? If you're a coach, if you are an entrepreneur, what does taking action with faith look like right now for you? My hope in sharing all of this is just to build your faith. I want to set an example of what is possible. I want to model it to you. How can you go do something? If you've never seen it done before and mentors, they model things to you. Coaches help you take action. And we need this in our life where people show and share what they have done and how God has shown up. You need your faith built up. Find people who can build faith for you in what God is capable of and what he wants to do, what he promises to do. If you are looking to walk in faith, let's say you're a homeschooling mom, go find another homeschooling mom who's done it, who is full of hope. 
Not one. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I homeschooled. How'd you get through that? Oh, I cried every day. <laughs> and I realized this is not a, it's not really a hopeful response. And to all of you that I've ever said that to, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I was, I'm actually saying like, I cried every day, but what I forget to say is, but I made it through. God was faithful. I didn't cry every day, but there were a lot of days and I just didn't know what to do. But you know why? Because I didn't have a model and I didn't have anybody for such a long time to model doing something that was really hard that God had called me to do that I didn't want to do, but I trusted him because I liked him because I knew him. So I chose to do what he called me to do and I homeschooled my kids and they are amazing people. Now, that doesn't mean if you don't don't homeschool your kids, your kids don't turn out amazing. That's not the case. But we have relationships and things are diff- things are the way they are for us personally because of our homeschooling journey because we we've been missionaries. We've picked up and moved. I'm currently at my uh, 19th address in 21 years. It's this has just been the way of it, but it's walking in faith, taking action and turning the eyes of my heart, guarding the affections of my heart so that I want what he wants in my business, in my ministry, in my family, my household, in my marriage, for my children, even in trusting him that he'll bring the right friendships and cutting off the ones and pruning off the ones that don't belong in this season and allow him, allowing him to bring the right people who can be where I'm at and give me what he needs me to have through a relationship and a friendship. Stepping out in faith is powerful and taking action with God is one of the most, I don't know what the right word is. It's beautiful, but it's like this, It's supernatural. That's what it is. It's supernatural. It's a supernatural act. It's not something my eyes can see. It's not something my hands can feel. But my innermost being knows that it's right. But my inner being of my soul chooses it. Because I know this man. I really like him because I spend time with him. And I believe he likes me. And I trust him implicitly because he is my all in all. He wants to be all of that for you in your personal life and in your professional life. So I I encourage you to lean into him and let God use your imagination to show you where he is. He is with you, but it, it matters whether or not you choose to see him. You open up the eyes of your heart. And you open up your soul to the revelation that the spirit realm is more real than the natural realm, that it is eternal and everlasting while the natural realm fades away. And so he is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the room. There, there's a look, Go look for this song. It's called Shekinah Glory. Mm, so good. I'm not going to start singing. I've been singing a lot already. I'm not going to sing that to you, but... Go listen to that song. I'll see if I can find it, put it in the show notes so you can have a link because it is really powerful. And um, I just bless you to, to hear him, to see him, to set your affections upon him, to guard your soul 
guard your heart. That doesn't, that scripture isn't, it's often used like guard your heart, you know, don't fall in love too soon with the wrong person. No, it's actually, it's the affections of your soul. Guard them. Don't let them fall on, on places where you want things that are not good for you. Follow after the Lord. Know, like, trust, and choose this man. And then the affections of your heart will always be fruitful. I hope that you loved this episode and you feel challenged, inspired, and encouraged. If you're a coach or you want to be one, jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group so we can connect over there. And to work with me, grab the links in the show notes to get quick clarity about your calling as a coach and entrepreneur, as well as how to get trained as a coach with Sterling and Stone and start your own business. Bless you, friend.